One of the things that the Lord dealt with so often in his ministry was the self-righteous. One of my, one of my favorite uh, you know, stories about Jesus was whenever the, the self-righteous guy was you know, praying in the temple. And he was, you know, the Lord was talking about how this guy was going on and on about all that he did. He, he tithes, he does this, and he does, and, and he lastly, he says, and thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that guy over there. He's very self-righteous. And the Lord continually ministered along the lines of self-righteousness because he was continually combating the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the religious leaders of the land. But how many of you know that the enemy, the devil, would love nothing more than to make a Pharisee out of you and me. Come on, somebody. He would love nothing more than for you to compare yourself to someone else. I want to tell you something. If you begin to compare yourself to someone else, your eyes are no longer on the Lord. Amen. Our eyes are supposed to be on Jesus. Amen. And so the, the self-righteous is one of the things that the Lord really kind of zeroed in on and and tonight, we're just going to touch on that a little bit, but I, I feel the Lord, His desire is to, to, to bring this word out just here in, in Proverbs chapter 20. Notice with me what it says in verse number 27. It says, the spirit of man. How many of you know it's talking about mankind, right? Mankind. The spirit in you. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. The word there, belly, is, is, is for heart. It's that in, innermost being of who you are. In other words, what the Lord is saying is, is that your spirit, your spirit is the light that searches everything in you from the Lord. What he means by that is, you know that there's some people that when they're, how many of you know that you're either operating in the spirit of righteousness or the spirit of unrighteousness? You're either operating in the Spirit of the Lord or you're operating in your own strength. Judging things the way you think things should be. You see, sometimes whenever we're not where we need to be, we can justify our own selves. And if you are judging yourself through your own light, how many of you know you're going to be misled? Well, at least I'm not as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer. Well, at least I'm not as bad as Uncle So-and-So. You know, I may not be all that. I may not be prayed up. I may not be tongue-talking. You know, I may not be faith-walking. I may not be, you know, uh, righteous living. But at least I'm not like Uncle So-and-So. You see, what you've done is you begin to allow your own light. You begin to allow the light uh, of the natural man to search you. And you've compared yourself to someone else. And you say, you know what? I'm not where I need to be. But I'm not like Uncle So-and-so. You see, and the Lord dealt with this so often, and I think it's amazing how even in the Old Testament the Lord brought this out. It's a dangerous trap that the, the child of God can get into is whenever you begin to not live the way you're supposed to live just because you're not as bad as someone else. You see, whenever the Lord searches your heart, it's completely different. How many of you know the Lord's light is pure? The Lord's light is pure. I believe Zacchaeus, when he desired to see Jesus, he climbed up in that tree. I believe that Zacchaeus, he, he thought he was all right guy. How many of you know sometimes you think you're all right person? I thought before I really met God, I thought I was all right. I wasn't as bad as other people. I wasn't good, but I wasn't bad. I was all right. I was okay. 
right? In my own eyes and with my own light, I was okay. I searched myself and I determined I'm not as bad as others. But you see, when God searches you, when the light of God searches you, it's not about a standard comparing to others. It'll compare you to His righteous standard. And according to His righteous standard, we all were unrighteous and unholy. We all were completely undone. We all had sinned and come short of the glory of God, and we all needed God's help. But you see, God gives us that, that, that spirit as a candle. Some people walk in darkness and some people walk in light. That's just the way it is. And you see, you can talk to someone until you're blue in the face, but until God begins to shine his light on them, you're talking to a wall. How many of you ever tried to talk to someone and you just begin to tell them about the things of God and it's like talking to the wall sometimes? That's why it's the anointing, right, that breaks those things. The yokes are destroyed through anointing. It is that anointing that will enlighten the eyes. It's that anointing that will cause those dead things to come to life. It's that anointing that will turn on the lights that have been turned off for decades. It's that anointing. So when we pray for people, we pray that God's anointing would begin to work upon them. Amen? Because in and of themselves, everybody thinks they're okay. Amen? Everybody thinks they're okay in their own eyes. This is what the Scripture is teaching us here. So, but the reality is, is everybody's walking in some kind of light, self-righteous light or Christ-righteous light. But everybody's walking in some kind of light. Amen. And let me show you this as the Lord kind of deals with this in Luke chapter 11. So turn with me over there to Luke chapter 11, if you could. And I want to bring this out in verse starting in verse number 34. Luke chapter 11, beginning in verse number 34. See, the, the danger begins, the, the danger arises when we begin to judge ourselves without God's light. You can't judge yourself without God's light. You can't judge yourself without God's light. If you judge yourself without God's light, you're going to set yourself up for destruction. You're going to wreck something bad. In Luke 11, verse number 34, it says, The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body is full of light. But when thine eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Listen to this. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. How many of you remember those days? When the light in you was darkness. You were operating in darkness. And you see, the world today is operating in darkness. And, and i got news for you. You cannot intellectualize somebody into glory. You can give people argument after argument after argument after argument after argument after argument. You can show them YouTube videos. You can give them this and give them that. But it is the anointing of God. It is the Spirit of God that somebody needs. Amen. It is that anointing of God that will break off that hardness and open the blind eye. And they'll say, I've been walking in darkness. But everybody's walking in some kind of light. It's either light, light. Or dark light. 
And the reality is this, is in order for us to see a change in other people's lives, we have to stop relying on intellectual arguments. We have to stop reasoning with folks, and we have to start pleading with God. We have to start praying for God for that anointing to be upon our lives, to speak a word in due season, to know what that soul needs to hear in the way they need to hear it, that the power of God would rest upon the child of God. That's why Jesus said, tarry until you're endued with power from on high to be his witness. He didn't say tarry till you get an argument for everybody's uh, to answer everybody. He didn't say tarry until you get uh, until you get enough knowledge. He didn't say tarry until you learn apologetics. He didn't say tarry until you learn Greek or Hebrew. He didn't say that. He said tarry until you get the power. Tarry until you're endued with power from on high because listen to me, the world today is in darkness and it is only the power of God that can turn on the lights. It is only the power of God that can turn on the light. We will never argue with somebody into glory. You just won't do it. You won't do it. That's not the way God designed it to be. If that was the way it was, Jesus would say, Terry, till you get a good argument. You can't do it. You, you, can't, you can't wrestle someone into glory. You can't penalize someone into glory. Well, if, if you don't come to church with me, I'm going to cut your allowance. If you don't come to church with me, I'm not going to talk to you. If you don't get do, you can't do that. It is the anointing that destroys those yokes. It is the Spirit of God that enlightens the eyes. It is the light of God that these people need. Amen? Nobody argued me into the kingdom of God. It was a touch from glory. It was the hand of God on my heart. It was when I knew God was real. I felt God for the first time. Not when somebody argued with me and gave me plenty of evidence, but when I felt in my soul the hand of God. Somebody spoke the word and I felt the Holy Ghost. And I want to tell you that people today, we as the children of God, we have a work on our hands. We've been given a big task. We live in a godless society. We live in not even just a godless society, but it is getting increasingly hostile to the people of God, to the way of God, and to the truth of God. And if we don't get the power of God in the church again, if we don't get clothed with power from on high, we're going to be talking and arguing with the devil while he's running roughshod over our families, over our homes. God didn't call us to do that. See, people today are walking in some kind of light. It's either light, light, or dark light. And it, and it is not an argument that's going to take them out of one category into another. It's not an argument. It's an anointing. Amen. You see, whenever Zacchaeus was there and, and he was up in that tree and Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come down. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house, but what Zacchaeus didn't know is that when Jesus came to his house, when, he, when, when Jesus came in, the old Zacchaeus was going out. Amen. And I want to I just tell you, you go back and you look at that story. Jesus didn't argue with Zacchaeus. It was just being around that anointing, being around the presence of God, being around the power of God. That's what did it for Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus just all of a sudden said, all right, if I've taken anything from anyone, I'm going to give it back. 
threefold. I mean, Jesus didn't tell him that. Jesus didn't say, now, Zacchaeus, you're a thief, and you're a robber, and you're a low-down, dirty dog. Jesus didn't do any of that. Jesus didn't lead him down through the Ten Commandments. Jesus just was there. And it was the presence of God that brought the conviction of God upon Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus, by the power of God, was changed. Zacchaeus wasn't argued into the kingdom of God. Zacchaeus was, was changed into the kingdom of God by the anointing of God. And if we as the people of God could ever get this down, I want to tell you, the task that's on the church in our generation is large. It is big. It is daunting. It is dark. It is vile. It is violence. And they will get more violence. But the battle belongs to our God. Every demon, every demonic power is held at bay. Every demonic power is vacant of its strength in the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, those demons have to flee. Those demonic powers are broken. Every dark thing must leave. When Jesus' name is called upon, the demons must leave and vacate the place. And I want to tell you that what we need in our generation is people that have big faith. Big arguments are good. Big Ph.D. titles are good. Maybe it's good that you got big things, but what you need is big anointing. Amen. I love what Smith Wigglesworth said on that point. He said some people, some people, uh, you know, they, they speak in Greek, some people in, in Hebrew. They understand God in Greek, they understand in Hebrew, but he said, I, I prefer to learn in the Holy Ghost. Some people rely on their intellect. Some people rely on their argument, but God's people rely on anointing. God's people rely on anointing. And I want to tell you, your sons, your daughters, your spouses, your, your parents, the people around you, what they need is they need that anointing dripping off of your life. They need you to spend time in the prayer closet. They need you to spend time at the feet of Jesus. They need you to spend time in the secret place and shut the door behind you and not tell a soul. They need you to come out of that prayer closet, amen, that you went in one way but you came out a different way. They need to see the power of God on your life. That'll do so much more than an intellectual argument. And I'm not down in intellectual arguments. There's a time and place for these things. But this is not the power of God to change a nation. This is not the power of God to change a family. This is the power of God anointing. Power. Amen? Jesus said, take heed therefore that the light which is in thee be not darkness. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, no part dark, Having no part dark. Listen to that. What the Lord's not looking for is somebody half and half. One of the things that the Lord said is he told the disciples to tarry. Sometimes you got to tarry doubt out. Sometimes you got to tarry worldliness out. Sometimes you've got to tarry other options out. See, I believe that the Lord had them tarrying for a purpose. 
It was weeding out some things. You spend enough time before the Lord, other, other loves leave. Let me tell you, you spend a lot of time watching TV or watching Facebook or watching this, the, those, those times of prayer will go diminish down and your strength and that anointing will diminish down. But if we'll put down the TV remote, if we'll put down our phones and put down this and spend time in His presence, what will happen is you'll see, you'll see those other loves begin to diminish. Because you can't serve two masters. You can't serve two masters. You, 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 not, you are not... The, 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 you, are, you are not the one that can circumvent that rule because Jesus said it. You can't serve two masters. So we, can't, we cannot expect the power of God to be on our lives if we're not willing to tarry before Him. And that tarrying is where all the other loves of life begin to fall down. That's where all the other loves of life begin to fall down. When I'm in that prayer closet, I'm not worried about... Somebody saying something. I'm not worried about emails. I'm not worried about a TV show. When I'm tearing before the Lord in the prayer closet, all I'm thinking about is how good and how big and how awesome my God is. All I'm thinking about is how mighty my God is. All I'm thinking about is how beautiful my Jesus is. All I'm thinking about is how He redeemed me from a life of destruction. How He redeemed me from hopeless existence. How He redeemed me from being lost. And now I'm found. That's what I'm thinking about in that prayer closet. Amen? All things are possible with my God. That's what I'm thinking about. I'm not worried about, you know, these TV shows or anything like that. Now, he said, he said there, If thy whole body be, therefore be full of light, having no part dark. Can I ask you something? What does that say to you? If, if, if you've got all light and no part dark, that tells me. That the Lord's looking for people to be whole. See, whenever you consecrate yourself to the Lord, you're giving all of you to Him. And this no part dark means God's not willing that you serve God with half a heart, or 90% a heart, or a partial heart, or a Sunday only heart, or three days a week heart. We, 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 you know, in the churches, we call them hypocrites, right? Serve God on Sunday, but go to the bar on Saturday. We call them hypocrites. Or, or you know, go, go with the world through the week and then go with the church crowd on Sunday. But the Lord's not looking for someone to play the part. He's looking for someone to surrender their heart. Have no part dark. It comes from a place of surrender. And he says here, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. See, this is, it comes back to that verse. This is whenever you've got all that light flowing in you, now you can see the way God wants you to see in those innermost beings. You can judge those things righteously. Amen? You can judge those things. Now turn with me to Galatians 5. How many of you ever heard that phrase, a little leaven leavens the whole lump? How many of you know that it's true? A little, not a lot. The devil wants you to think a lot of leaven will leaven you. 
doesn't he? The, de- the devil will concede the fact that a lot of leaven will leaven you. What the devil won't concede to is that a little leaven will leaven you. It's just a little. It's just a little drink, drink. It's just a little something, something. It's just a little this or a little that. But the word of God says a little leaven will leaven entirely through you. God wants you to have no part dark. Devil wants you to have just a little bit of leaven. Because if he can get you to the point to where you got a little bit of leaven, you got a little bit less light. And you're not going to have any spiritual power. God's not going to be mocked. In Galatians 5, I want to begin in verse 4, but I'm going to get to this part where it says that a little leaven leavens a whole lump. But I want you to see that a lot of this is about self-justification. As we go through this, I want you to see just a lot of it is about self-justification. And you're going to have to make a determination in your own life, just like I do, that I've determined not to justify myself before God. I am not who I am because of what I've done. I am not standing here right now because of anything I've done. The work is of God. The power is of God. The grace is from God. That anointing's from God. All I've done is say yes along the way. The work's been all Him. And you, I know you can testify the same way in your own life. Anytime God's moved in your life, it's just because you said yes to Jesus. It says in verse 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you. How many of you? That's a sad day right there. If Christ was no effect in your life. Do you know people that Christ is of no effect in? It says Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. The law is what people just, well, you know, I haven't uh, murdered anyone. I, you know, I, I haven't, uh, you know, done this and I haven't uh, done that. The, the, the law is something that you do. Well, you know, I, I pay my tithes. I, I, I do this and I do that. He said, Christ has become no effect if you justify yourself because of law. If you could sit there and you can tell someone that you are made right because of what you've done. You've kept part of the law or you haven't done this thing wrong. You're not right with God. See, when you get saved, you don't come to the cross and you say, Now, Lord, I have tithed. I have served. I have helped. I have done this and I have done that. Now save me. When you come to Jesus, you got to come like that thief on the cross. Lord, that thief on the cross, he couldn't take communion, could he? He couldn't get baptized, could he? He couldn't go nowhere and do nothing, could he? He was hanging there on that cross, and all he needed was help from God. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. That man was on that cross, and he was pleading with Jesus, remember me, remember me, remember me. That's how you get saved. That's how you get to the Lord. 
That thief on the cross, Jesus said, this day you'll be with me in paradise. That thief on the cross didn't get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, did he? He didn't get time to go. Uh, he didn't get time to go do nothing. He didn't even get time to go on a mission trip. He had minutes. He had minutes. You see, whenever you get saved, whenever you got saved, it was because you said yes to Jesus and you didn't bring works. You're trusting his work on that cross. It's always his work versus yours. It's never a combination. It's never a combination. Now it says again, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Now that's a sad reality. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. Now we could get off into that, but th- that, that does have implications. But you can even just relate it just quickly off of New Testament works. And we all, you know, Abraham, it was circumcision and Moses was circumcision. And, you know, in the New Testament, there's things that we do that that correlate to circumcision. But notice what God says in Jesus. How many of you want to be in Jesus? He said uncircumcision nor circumcision. Look at that. Availeth anything. Availeth anything. You know, that's why a lot of people get messed up is because they think what they've done avails something. I want to tell you what Jesus does avails something. When he was there on that cross, he said, it's finished. And when he said it was finished, that temple, that temple veil was rent from top to bottom, signifying forever that the way between man and God has been made plain, can be accessed through what Christ did on the cross, not what we've done, but what he's done. That way's been made through his sacrifice of his own body on that old rugged cross. And it says, in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Now, that, mess, that word there, which worketh by, means it brings the effect of. Faith brought into effect by love. In other words, God's looking for people to serve him out of love. That's what he's looking for. We don't serve out of duty. We don't serve out of responsibility. We don't serve because duty calls. We serve because Jesus is worthy. We serve because Jesus is worthy. We're blinded by love. It is like Paul was blinded on the road to Damascus. It was the mercy of God that blinded him. He was on his way to destruction. He was on his way to hell. But it was the love of God that blinded Paul. We operate from that. We operate from that. Three more verses. He says, you did run well. In other words, you started out right. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. In other words, you need to know and understand that not everybody is for you. Not everybody has your best interest in mind. Not everybody. You know, there's a, there's a scripture 
when uh, the disciples, they, were, they went to Jesus and they said, uh, there, there was another group out there. It was preaching, it was doing works, it was baptizing, and Jesus said, you know what? He said, if they're not against us, right? If they're not against us, don't stop them. They're for us. But here's the reality. This is a sad reality. This is the sad reality. If they're preaching a different gospel, they're not, they're not for you, they're against you. If they're preaching a different gospel, just because they say the name Jesus don't mean that they're preaching the same Jesus. You have to understand this. The Jesus that we preach is calling you to a place where you're not trusting in circumcision nor uncircumcision, but faith that works by love. He said, this persuasion comes not of him that calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. In other words, you're either today self-righteous or you've got Christ's righteousness. And on this hinges everything. If you're going to move forward in God, it's because it's the righteousness of Christ in you, not a self-righteousness about you. What the enemy would love nothing more is to get you diverted off of Christ's righteousness into self-righteousness. And we as the children of God, we have to make sure that we take a step back and we don't allow a self-righteous spirit to rise up in our midst. All you did was say yes to Jesus and believe. But a self-righteous spirit is exactly the thing that the enemy uses to leaven a whole lump in. Now you may say, well, you know, sometimes people justify themselves, but they do good things. Well, let's touch on that real briefly in Matthew 7. Turn with me to Matthew 7. Let's touch on that. Take heed, though, that that light in you is not dark. Matthew chapter 7. See, there are many people that do wonderful works, but that doesn't mean that they're right with God. How many of you know there's a lot of people in the world that do good things? A lot of people in the world do good things, but it don't mean they're preaching the same Jesus that you preach. It don't mean they're believing the same gospel you believe. And it all comes down to that reality, like I said, of you tarrying before God, you waiting upon God, you getting endued with that power from God, spending time in that secret place. You cannot be the man or woman of God that he's called you to be without having that intimacy, without having that relationship, without having that that time where you just seek his face and you shut the door on everyone else and everything else and you spend time before the Lord. I always go back to Mary and Martha because it represents this that I'm talking about so well. Mary was was waiting upon the Lord, was seeking His face, was was tarrying before Him, was hanging on His every word, was just glad to be in His presence. But Martha could care less about the presence because work had to be done. You know, I read an old minister one time and he said, you know, and it's that way in our house. How sad would it be? How sad would it be if every time I came home, right, my kids didn't want to be around me. They would go shut themselves in their room. And they would, you know, do whatever they do. We don't allow them to have TVs in their room. They'll go in there and watch TV or whatever. But, you know, the, 
what, what if the only time they ever came out of their room and came to see dad was when they needed something? How would you feel? You would say, this relationship's not the way it's supposed to be. Wouldn't you? They don't love me. They love what I can give them. Maybe I need to stop giving them stuff. This is is how a, a natural mind works. How much more God? How much more God? You see, God's looking for those Marys that'll just love to be in His presence. Those ones that are just God lovers. God chasers. Those ones who have a heart for Him. They just want to sit in His presence. Just sit at His feet. That's where I find who I am. That's where things things begin to make sense. That's where I gain that understanding. That's where I gain strength from. That's where I gain my footing. That's where I know, though all the world may turn against me, God's for me. That's where I know where I stand. That's where I, I, I find who I am once again. At His feet. Not asking for anything. Not begging for anything. Not, not, not trying to confess promises for an airplane. But just sitting at His feet because I love Him. Because of who He is. And in that place of tarrying before God, relationship is forged. Anointing will come. God's looking for those that will tarry at His feet. That will wait upon the Lord. Doesn't Isaiah tell us that those that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They will rise up on wings of eagles. They will run and not get weary. Amen? They will walk and not faint. It's who our God is. But it's those that wait on Him. It's those that wait on Him. And God's calling you to come to a place of waiting on Him. And I'm telling you tonight that the the filth that's coming on our nation demands, demands of the church an anointing. Without that anointing, without the power of God resting on us, we're going to be undone. We're going to be undone. How well... Would the first church have fared without Pentecost? Huh? I mean, the the things that they went through, they were filleted alive. They were crucified upside down. Uh, we, We were with this minister from India the other day, and he was talking about that, you know, that that old hymn. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. He said that hymn was written in India. Because there was a family there that the man got saved. His whole family got saved. And some headhunters came out there. And they wanted to, they wanted to destroy this faith. And they asked that man to deny Jesus. And he said, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm not turning back. And they killed his youngest in front of him. And they said, now deny Jesus. And he said, I've decided to follow Jesus. 
I'm not turning back. And they killed his next. And they said, now deny Jesus. And he said, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. And they killed his next. They killed that man's whole family in front of his eyes till they got down to him. Now, where, where, where will the church be without an anointing like that? See, if we, don't have, if we don't have that intimacy, if we don't have that power of God resting on our lives, if we don't have that strength that comes from only God, we'll end up denying Christ. Or changing the gospel to fit others. Oh yeah, well, you know, Muslims and Freemasons, they're included too. No, they're not. Truth is truth. Truth is truth, friends. And we've got to stand on the truth and not back down. Jesus said He's the only way. He invites every single person, don't matter who they are, where they're from, upside down, whatever. God is no respecter of persons, but they have to come to God through the Son, Jesus. Or they're not coming to God at all. But there are many people that won't take that time to tarry before God and have that intimacy and have that relationship And have that anointing on their life. Well, let's read it from the Lord's mouth. Verse 20. Matthew 7, verse 20. He said, Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. You know, a lot of people say they know Jesus, and a lot of people will say a lot of things about Jesus. But the Word says, by their fruit you'll know them. That's one of the things I love about men of God. I, I, I had no idea that some, sometimes in churches there were some squirrely folks. When I got saved, I was naive. I thought everybody was right with God. But there were some squirrely folks I've met along the way. But I love more than anything being around godly men that love God with a sincere heart that are righteous, that, are, that, that, that have that anointing on their life, that, that, that walk with God. And you see, you should be able to get around somebody. You spend time with somebody, you know whether they live right or not. And if you can't get around somebody, something's wrong. If they're too good for you, something's wrong. Wherefore, by their fruits you shall know them. Verse 21. Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord. You hear that? Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord. Did they say to Jesus, Lord, Lord? Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name have done many wonderful works. You see, that's the self-righteousness that I've talked about. That was at the beginning. You're not right with God because you cast out devils. You're not right with God because you prophesy. You're not right with God because you do many wonderful works. Then how? How can you determine whether you're right with God? You need the light of God to shine in your soul. You need the light of God to shine within you. You need to spend time in His presence. You need to let His. You need to let the searchlight of the Holy Ghost search you out. 
You need to be like David and say, search me, O God. Try me, O God. See if there be any wicked way in me. Look within the recesses of my heart. Search me, God. You can't say, ah, you know, I preach. I teach. I do this. I do that. That does not make you right with God. He said, there's a lot of people that say, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils. And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. Works and self-righteousness. Jesus said, I didn't know you. Uh, Look, demons will flee at the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God may come on someone and they prophesy. That happened to Saul. He was wicked and running after David to kill him. And the Spirit of God came on him and he prophesied. I mean, if the Spirit of God comes, the Spirit of God's going to move. But that didn't make Saul right with God. It didn't make Saul right with God. So you can't say somebody's right with God just because they prophesy, just because they cast out devils, or just because they do works. We had a three-hour worship service. Great. But do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know him? Can you shut the door and not have any worship music? Come on now. Do you have to have the lights, camera, in action? Do you have to have, you know, all of the stuff, all of the tapestries of our generation? Jesus told them, depart from me. He said they worked iniquity because they didn't know Jesus. Everything begins and ends with that reality. You're either going to make yourself righteous because of your works, or you're going to know Jesus And you're going to know that your works will never be good enough. And you're going to know that his work on that cross was purely and entirely all that was needed to make you right in God's eyes. That and that alone. And upon that hinges eternity for you. Upon that hinges eternity for you. Whether you're self-righteous or whether you've got Christ's righteousness. And I want to tell you today, God's calling us to a place to where we allow the Spirit of God to search us. Look, if, if, if you want to hang on to self-righteousness, the Lord, that light in you will be dark. It will. You, you, you'll claim it, but it'll be a dark light in you. So Jesus said, take heed that that light in you is not dark. The only way that you can determine that is to come to Jesus and let him cleanse you. Come to Jesus and let Him remove every arm of the flesh. Let Him remove every crutch of the flesh. Let Him remove everything that you're holding on to that's not Jesus. Amen. Let Him put His finger on those things, whatever they may be. As Paul said to the Galatian church, he said, You did run well. Who hindered you? Just because you started out right don't mean you're going to end up right, folks. That's why Paul wrote the letter to the Galatian church. They started out right, but somewhere along the way, they added a crutch because they weren't right in their soul with God and they began to justify themselves through their works. God loves you and me so much 
that He wants that pure light to search us out so that we're not holding on to the crutch of self-righteousness, but we're leaning fully and entirely on Christ's righteousness. This evening, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord and ask the Lord to search you. Remember, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. The devil, like I said earlier, the devil wants you to think that it's a lot of leaven that leavens the whole lump. Right? It's a lot of leaven. But God said a little leaven. Leaven it. A little deviation. You get one degree off when you're walking in the woods, you're going to get lost. You walk for miles and miles when you're one degree off, you're going to be lost as a duck. Tonight, as we come to a close, I want, I want to ask you to just ask the Lord to search you and, and ask the Lord if you've tarried fully and if you've been endued fully because the battles that you face, now I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know that you got the same devil after you that I do. And I, I'm, I can't whoop the devil with what I've done. It's only the anointing of God. It's only the power of God. It's only surrender, full surrender to God that can back him off. Amen? Amen. Lord, we ask tonight that you would do a work in us. Lord, we ask tonight for the searchlight of the Holy Ghost. Lord, if there be anything in us that's leaven, any self-righteousness, any, anything that is not right in your eyes, Lord, we pray tonight, Lord, that you would show us that, that you would help us, Lord, to get into a place of full surrender to you, full consecration, that we'd be fully in due with power for the battle over our soul. Lord, I pray tonight, God, not only over this full consecration, but I pray, Lord, just through the preaching of the Word, if there's another issue going on in our lives that we need to surrender to You. Maybe it's the care of the soul of another one. Maybe it's worry or fear or doubt. Maybe something to do with our future. But Lord, I thank You that You told us in the Word that we can cast our cares on You. Because you care for us. Tonight, if you want to respond to this message, or if you just want to come throw a care upon the Lord, I want to invite you to come to the altar because He cares for you. He's inviting you to come to that altar and just roll your cares, roll your burdens over upon Him tonight and let Him minister to you in that anointing. In Jesus' name.